Martinovich. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably still screw it up, but That's I'll try okay. not to. That's okay. Call him out if he screws it up. I will. I will. Yeah. Hey, is your is that shirt from Target, Michael? Tell me you like pierogies without telling me you like pierogies. You are listening to the Signal to Noise podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Signal to Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones and the A131 and the A133 large diaphragm studio condenser mics at audixusa.com. Oh, great. Uh, uh, where'd I put it? Oh, yeah. Alan and Heath has asked us to read the following. Uh, uh, where'd I put it? Uh, I hope it's not in my email. He knows I don't check my email. Oh, here it is. A math problem. If a train leaves the station at 1.15 going 25 miles per hour and a plane flies in the opposite direction at the same time going 500 miles an hour, uh, can I get more bass in my monitor? Welcome back to Sickles Noise Podcast on the Pro Sound Pub. Fuck. We're going to restart. No, this. we're not going to restart it. You're committed. You're committed. Damn it. All right. Well, I, well, hold on. That's a new voice, actually. I thought so. Kyle, uh, the last episode, I, th- we, I guess maybe it didn't go so well. We we did 101 episode without Michael. Did you miss me? Uh, no, actually, we Damn, didn't. That's harsh. Um, I put in. I put in. I put in for a vacation day. <laughs> I figured I earned. I earned a vacation. Chris, day. you're going to be the last man standing on the show. I can tell already. Oh my god. Anyway, all right, Chris Leonard. Uh, I almost said Kyle. Kyle Turnside. Yeah, me, that fuck. is that is his name. So that, that's okay. Last time I checked. Do you need a? Do you need to take a so, break? For for the record, it's so p- the pinnacle was a hundred. In case anybody was curious, hundred episodes was the pinnacle. Is downhill. downhill. It's going to just, just downhill. Total it's garbage downhill. from here on out. Thanks, Jeez. thanks for tuning in. Uh, glad you caught. We, us get, we gave away a freaking console though, and some microphones, all kinds of crazy stuff. Kyle, we're still living in the future here. Just saying. That's fine. I got I got my degree. Um, my house is paid off. <laughs> I'm living in All the right, future Kyle, too, bro. I got a whole rack full of crystals and essential oils. I'm manifesting my destiny right now. Speak, speaking of that, Kyle, our, our, our arm's length game here. What, oh. What's cool in arm's length of Kyle? My favorite rap album of all time. My favorite rap album of all time. Ice Cube's death certificate on 180 gram vinyl pretty much wow pretty much my favorite rap album of all time i mean i could have went further oh, back because oh, you know oh. i got i got beastie boys right here too and run dmc but i have to go with this because hey. this was one of the last albums that was allowed to use samples without clearance so it is it is incredible love it okay hopefully it's less distorted than your microphone yeah uh that's not good for an audio your, podcast. Your computer is like slowly melting down around us right now. Um, are, are you a vinyl observer or a vinyl listener? Like, do you do you have them to look at or do you do you play them? I just have them to look at. So I, I got this sick band called Rigor Mortis. I got a Misfits bootleg Walk Among Us. Wow. I got a fo- he's literally throwing them by the this way. Shitty band called Fallout Boy. Um, <laughs> Life Savos, Cars. You know what though, DRL. Kyle? For real, it's amazing 
how many of people like my age and like the gen like the 10 years after me like all those bands that we were listening to when we were kind of coming up dude you mixed all of those bands <laughs> it's pretty amazing so how many how many people probably got got turnsided and didn't, didn't know didn't know it's kind of like us. that's a new word i like that it's kind of like seven degrees of kevin bacon but seven degrees of kyle turnsided yeah exactly man I think you're, sure I did so all right chris leonard what's the coolest thing you got within arm's reach uh we bought a house today yeah, so that's great man congratulations so my 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 deed and title adulting. and paperwork that's the coolest thing and yeah adulting so um yeah I was, I was telling michael and kyle today um you know i have two kids one on the way and i still feel like this is the most adulting thing i've ever done is buy a house so yeah it is you sealed the deal now because she officially gets half of that house and it was a sage uh, mortgage. This is a oh. sage stick. Oh dear! Oh, if I froze out, bro. Nobody even laughed at my joke because we froze. We well, you're because your internet. <laughs> you're late, yeah. you're late, your internet was so bad it crashed out. <laughs> All right, coolest thing I have here within arm's reach: Kenny Loggins live video disc. Jamie sent me this. Oh. Um. And we were doing all these. These are these are capacitive. That's how they were read. It's like a gigantic DVD, I guess. It looks like a vinyl on the inside, but it's read capacitively. And uh, you get about 30 minutes on a side. The groove in here is 12 miles long, which I've worked out is about 2,100 feet per minute, if you want to think of it that way. Um, really interesting stuff. One thing I learned about these is that each rotation of the disc gives you four frames of video, which is why these machines couldn't pause. They couldn't freeze frame. They, some of them would just show the same four frames over and over again if you hit pause, which is pretty cool. That's like my brain. I it only gets like... <laughs> <laughs> I, I liked it. You, 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 so you posted that in Discord, yeah. right? And and we're like, hey, so is that kind of like YouTube without all the shitty comments? Is that kind of <laughs> like what that's, you know... It was. It was <laughs> So, yeah, so this is, uh, this is, you know, and Jamie's, uh, you know, we're, we've sent each other, I sent him an ABBA vinyl last year. So we we're trading, you know, high quality musical entertainment. Um, Chris, who's our guest on this episode? Yes. So we have Audrey Martinovich. That do it Mar right? No. Martinovich. You were really Damn You were like <laughs> the closest so far. So. It was only oh, his third man. attempt, so at least you're, oh, man. By, the, by the end of the show, I think you'll have it sorted out just fine, man. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so uh, before I get into your, to your bio of who you are, because I'm just going to read it because apparently I'm already screwing things up today. <laughs> stick, um, stick to the script, Chris. Yeah, so what is, I, I, you know, first off, you have the most acoustically sound-treated space we've ever recorded with. We'll get to that as to why, uh, but what is the coolest thing within arm's reach of you? Um, since I am in this isolation Silence. booth, there's not a lot around me, but probably this leather jacket Ooh, that I have that yeah. we were just kind of talking crap about Target off air, but I got this at Target and it yeah. is holding up very well. Thank you. So um, <laughs> how many times have you washed it though? If we were going to go down, this uh, not even once. So wash <laughs> leather. So my, my theory holds true. <laughs> I'll let you know what happens you don't if wash I try to leather. Clean it. Come on, yeah. Chris, I'm not right. gonna throw that carefully, in the... <laughs> car carefully and patiently read read her bio, and don't don't um, get fancy. Yeah, sure. You can't bumblebee, handle it. He bumblebee. I was trying to do my vocal exercises right now. So anyway, it's right. okay though. The bar uh, is so Audrey, low. This is the the downhill side of our arc. Yeah, so. the show the show is show is peaked. So. All right, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> 
So Audrey is a co-owner of of Audio for the Arts, Wisconsin-based recording studio specializing in acoustic music, and is a trusted engineer producer for the artists in the Midwest and beyond. Audrey started her journey as an opera singer, which is pretty freaking cool. We're probably going to start there, by the way, um, who wanted to learn more about recording. Uh, <laughs> a graduate of Madison Media Institute, she later became the first female contributor to Pro Tools Expert in two- 2017, and a year later was a finalist to receive the award for Breakthrough Studio Engineer Pro Sound Europe. She has also uh, spoken a bit on panels be- uh, at Between the Waves Music Conferences, Empowering Women in Audio Clinics, the E-Women's Network. Also, uh, Audrey is a warm audio artist, member of Sound Girls, uh, AS, as well as a voting member of the Recording Academy, and she serves on the Advocacy Committee. So please welcome... Welcome to the show. Audrey. Thank Yay. you. Yay, yes. I like Warm applause. Oh, yeah? I like... I like Madison. Yeah, I got extended family in Lake Mills, not too ah, far away. Yes, yes, I end up there. I'm, I'm um, a fan of cheese curds. Sometime. Yes, yeah, this is like the only legit place I like to cheese get curds. them. So, I like yeah. beer. Beer also, <laughs> so, so we've had- only place you can get spotted cow. Got to try that. Oh, I've had spotted cow. Yeah, I've yeah, had spotted spotted cow. Cow. it's worth the trip. So I think this is the first opera singer we've had on the podcast. What, yeah, what is it called? Glaus Glaus. Beer company? New, what is New it? Glarus. What is it? Hold on. Kyle's got more questions. <laughs> about, about the beer. So we can start with the beer. That's it. Sort, sort that all out first. Make sure Kyle's good. Yeah. Pro tip. Don't um, drink beer before you try to do opera. Um, but yeah, it's New Glarus or, Brewing Or podcasting. I'm or just podcast. I mean, I, mean, I mean, you know. I, all right. I have a question then because I'm, I'm glad you said that. And I've been holding on to this question for years now. And I'm finally going to ask it to someone who knows the answer probably. So I was working on a, a production. I think it was Tristan and Isolde. Um, and the, uh, the, the tenor, lead tenor, uh, came, came off stage. And I was, I was side stage. And he takes out a two-liter bottle of, like, tonic water, like, just carbonated water, and drinks the entire thing right in front of me. Mm-hmm. And I usually don't engage with artists while they're in doing their thing, but I said, hey, I'm really curious. Is that, like, does it help your voice or something? And he says, no, I just like it. And he goes back on stage and keep singing and i was like i've never seen anything like that before so i was blown away by that i'd be worried about like burping on stage 100 like would be worried about that yes okay that was hey, the that first was my concern i had i was like <laughs> um all of my instincts say to avoid carbonation dairy coffee pretty much anything but water you can get fancy with some like water and honey or some tea or something but anything carbonated uh no. Yeah. Yeah. So I've been just wondering about that. And I was like, I feel like you're really setting yourself up for, for a problem there. Uh, so I'm, I'm really validated now that you said that. Okay. I'm happy I can, I can validate you. I did have um, a, an instructor of mine um, at Madison Media Institute named Ron Detweiler, who told me this story of a metal singer that he was recording. And this guy alternated chugging um, orange juice and Ye- chocolate milk. And, oh, sorry. <laughs> Jaeger, oh, yeah, wow. I know, right? Uh, to like oh. try to get the right kind of um, teeth. Right. Ugh. 
the texture to his voice. You can drop your voice with the milk. Uh, yeah, but I'm thinking sure. about the two mixing and least the unpleasant curdling. Yes, and yeah. so that leads me to the next part of the story where he was um, doing a take and he gave it his all so much so that he ended up puking on the pop filter. Um, uh, but apparently yeah. that was the take Perfect. they ended up Perfect using. Perfect metal so, album. <laughs> Welcome to this podcast. <laughs> Wait, hold on. Was that Kyle? What was the name of your band? That was actually me. <laughs> was it you? <laughs> and I was punching myself in the face. They let they left that part out where I was just punching myself repeatedly. Oh, is the juice and school. milk part Whoa. true? Oh God, that's terrible. Oh, uh, yeah, that's horrible. Tooth, um, toothbrush, toothpaste. You know what? It's it's interesting and it's funny timing because I'm I'm working on sound design for an opera right now. Oh. Um, and it's outside. And when you try to do those things outside with an orchestra outside, there's a lot of new challenges that you maybe don't have to worry about so much when you're inside. So it's funny timing, but the idea of the opera singers and the way that, tr uh, traditionally, you know, sound reinforcement is handled mm -hmm. for opera is very, very unique. And it's something that I think a lot of us who are, you know, a lot of listeners are live engineers that really maybe that's a very different thing. Mm -hmm. um, and I, there's a lot of cultural stuff with opera where they like to not be reinforced or pretend they're not being reinforced, yeah. right? Yeah, we do um, like a floor mic kind of situation in front, you know? It, back it off of them a little bit, yeah. Yeah. Or they've yeah. never been reinforced. Right. 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 For, yeah, for you know most of the history of opera, that there was no such thing as reinforcement. So um, it's just an interesting thing. And so to try to, you know... The expectations of the audience are different and, you know, what the creative team wants the show to sound like and be perceived like are really different. So I've, I've had opera on the brain lately. So it's, it's interesting timing. So I have to know, how do you get from there to recording engineer? Yeah, so I uh, would record my lessons a lot with my teacher, um, whose name is Alison Apple. And um, yeah, it was really just through that process of like trying to record myself to understand like, is my diction coming across? Is my tone coming across? Like all of the things like get that audience member kind of perspective. And I just was really intrigued by that. So I, I bought a microphone and no preamp or anything, just a series of adapters to get it into the eighth inch jack on my computer at the time. And I'm like, well, this sounds terrible. <laughs> if I could even hear it, I had to crank like everything to, <laughs> to even hear it. Um, and so the signal to noise ratio was terrible. Um, ah. Ah. And um, so from there, I was like, all right, yes, well, uh, we know that from. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're we're Guilty. familiar with that. <laughs> Have you listened to the beginning of this podcast yet? Yes. <laughs> Yes. So, um, <laughs> oh. I, just, I just realized that I've been holding on to Kenny Loggins this whole time and I can probably put him down now. You can never put Kenny even, Loggins. I'm just like cuddling, I'm cuddling the Kenny Loggins video disc nah. on my lap as you've been talking. <laughs> Snuggle up. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I mean, that's really so how it started. With your computer, what? With your. Kyle, that's crazy latency, bro. <laughs> yeah. With, with your computer, though, um, did you have pro tools already on it or oh, were you like no. using garage band I, like how were you doing your first stuff i straight up um was just using like the windows sound recorder app thing 
that, uh, you know, like, I mean, I had ass. literally done nothing. <laughs> and so I was like, I'm going to sing this Mozart in Latin and listen to that. Um, and yeah, so I, I, that was it. And I kind of around the same time had been uh, watching a documentary about um, how this live performance of Amanda Palmer's kind of comes together. And this person said, oh, there's this, you know, silence between this bit of lyrics here where I can fill it with reverb and their name on the screen was the sound designer. And I was like, what is that? And Mm. it was kind of like right then I was like, all right, well, I'm going to get to the Google machine and start finding out, you know, what is this? And came across this school that was uh, in Madison at the time called Madison Media Institute that's um, closed down now. Um, and enrolled there and uh, started going to school for audio stuff because of that. I think, you know, That's... something we've talked about before on the show is, is uh, I'm going to just keep ignoring. You know, the moment when you realize that audio can be a job. That's a real job and it's something that people can do. Um, do you remember that that realization? I totally do. Yeah, I I was super intrigued by this and started just trying to find out like, all right, well, I'm working retail right now. How much money do people in audio make? Um, started kind of started there. I was like, is this a viable thing? You know, can I support myself on this? And, you know, well, yeah. The answer can always fluctuate a little bit, but um, now I am, so I'm happy about that. Um, and um, yeah, from there, it, it was this combination of like art and science that I really liked um, or that I was also really intrigued by because I had been in music classes, you know, my entire life up until that point. I was in band and played clarinet and vocal jazz and madrigal choir and then all the musicals and just kind of everything. And I initially thought I, yeah, doing trumpet. No, you did trumpet. Yeah. We should I do a, a, yeah. a woodwind for duet. For all the years, I did it. <laughs> last year? Last chair, they sat you in the back? Last chair, bro. Oh, last chair every time. Uh, I, I never brutal. really challenged myself. Nice. No, I, I also switched to bass clarinet, and I was one of two bass clarinet players, and the other was my brother, so we did not take it very seriously and um, decided to, as the like low woodwind section where our part would often just be like, dun, 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 dun. That's 99% of bass clarinet parts, unless you're playing like Hall of the Mountain King. Um, <laughs> we just started making like little yeah. dance routines with our bass clarinets. Please sabotage. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. Let's talk about that. Playing sabotage on clarinet. Oh, like yeah. <laughs> what you, Kyle, what's the snack tonight? What do you got? Um, what do you got there? Same thing. Starbucks minis. I didn't eat them all the last time, but I already had a whole box of Mike and Ike's before the show. <laughs> <laughs> She made up for it. Um, you have so much work out there. Um, Chris Chris and I have been sending each other links all day about some of your work and your articles and stuff that you put out. Uh, and there's a couple things that I definitely want to talk about. One of them, though, is I mean, let's start with the, the idea of being published. Um, so many people I know are just brilliant and really good techs or really good engineers or have interesting views on things. And I'm always like, hey, you should write an article, you know, and we'll put it on ProSign Web or whatever. And 
and they're like, oh, you know, I, I couldn't do it. And, I, and there's this misconception, I think, that you have to be a, a pioneer or an innovator or have a unique approach or be an industry authority on something to be worth sharing. And that's totally not true. Mm-hmm. Um, half of my articles are about me going like, hey, I've never done this before. Here's I what I tried. This. Here's what worked. Right. Yeah. And, and I share that. And you can kind of take the journey with me. Um, so I'm certainly not claiming to know anything more than anyone else does about anything, but can you talk about your experiences, you know, getting into writing and getting into sharing your, your workflows on stuff? Yeah. So, um, that all started, I, I followed production expert on Facebook, just, you know, as one does and well, hopefully all of you do. And, um, Russ Hughes wrote an article about the problem with women in audio. And at the time I had, you know, just kind of started, I was working maybe like part-time engineering and then the other time, you know, other half time, um, in the office here at the studio that I'm at now. And, um, so this article, like the headline caught my attention and the, the point of it turned out to be like the problem is that there aren't enough, you know, like we need to get more diverse, you know, group of people in audio, especially women, especially people of color. And so he'd written this article about it and ended the article with, um, you know, if if you're a woman reading this, hit us up and see if you can write some stuff. And I was like, well, I am a woman reading this, so I'm going to do just that. <laughs> um, <laughs> That's great. And um, so I messaged them and, um, you know, they asked me like, okay, well, what are some article ideas that you'd have? They asked me for six, so I sent them 10. And they were like, you know, oh, yeah, we'd be happy to have any of these on the site. Why don't you start with these three? And that's really how it started was, um, you know, I thought, okay, well, the things that kind of make me different, I do think that you do have to have like some kind of point of difference um, to write something. It doesn't necessarily mean you have to be an authority or an expert or anything like, you know, it is just like my point of difference is I have, you know, BS'd my way through learning this thing and now I'm going to write about this experience and you can tell me what I've done wrong or whatever, but something, you know, unique to set you apart. And, um, one of the things that makes the studio unique is that we have a grand piano. So I was like, okay, I'm going to write an article about the different ways you can mic up a piano based on the genre, like what kind of sounds you can get out of it. Like if you want a more classical sound, go with this. If you want something more pop, you go with this kind of miking and closer to the hammers. Um, and that was, I think my first article with them, I included like all this audio and everything. I was like, I, I, I learned by doing, so I need to have audio examples. I want to hear how these things sound. I want to see where they're pictured. I want to see the musicians who are playing the, the audio samples I'm listening to. So, um, it was a very large article. And then I ended up doing the same thing with, you know, all sorts of stringed instruments, including a harp because, I work with the symphony a lot here, so I have access to all these weird instruments. And I was like, well, that's kind of my in. And it turned out to be my in. <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, I think w- one of the articles that stuck out to me um, is so so y'all bought a church. Yes. Right? Uh, as as, as uh, to make as your recording studio. Is that, is that your primary studio or is that a secondary studio? Or? So the stu- uh, the church is actually my house. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that another twist. Okay. 
Uh, but you're so so the um the article was about how to capture an impulse yeah. response of a space and create a convolution plugin preset. So like before I so to summarize, basically before you guys gutted the place, my understanding is that hey, you wanted to kind of preserve the sound. You know, every church kind of has like a sound to it, mm-hmm. right? You kind of walk the space like, hey, I like how it sounds here. I'm gonna put some mics here. I'm gonna I'm gonna create an impulse response, and now you can make any recording. I'm air quotes here sound like it was recorded in that space whether it was or wasn't and and as cool as you have samples too of like a dry and and using that thing and it was so cool like after having seen the pictures of the space and i could like totally picture like what that sounds like can you talk a little bit about like what you went through since you had to kind of write about that was it the first time you had done an impulse response for a, a reverb unit like- yeah that, that uh, actually that, that was the second time i had ever done an impulse response but the first time it was successful so um i guess we could call it the first time <laughs> um but um yeah so he, basically um my husband and i bought this church um that we decided to renovate and um we got the keys and as um (laughs) (laughs) to be determined actually like we have this radio that turns on at 1 a.m but the weird thing about it is that the radio turns on and cues pandora which is on a separate device which i cannot recreate in like a one-step procedure it's a two-step thing well kyle so the answer is is clearly haunted it is clearly haunted yeah i'm gonna need some of those sage sticks I got you. I got you. All right. Call yep, work for Ghostbusters. I was actually Zach Bagans before he was a, on Ghost Adventures. Oh, really? No, I, I wish I was. <laughs> it's. I don't know what's real it's anymore. <laughs> I, you know, it's interesting to... I, I spend a lot of time working with the concept of impulse response from the, the, the test and measurement side of things. And so it's kind of funny that as a byproduct of that process where we're looking at, you know, analyzing the the K characteristics of the room and early reflections and the energy distribution, all that stuff, you kind of end up with this IR file that also makes a badass reverb. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's always uh, kind of a treat to me that you end up with this extra little bit out of that process that a lot of people like that's their whole deal is we want to capture this sound and be able to put that, you know, use that in our recordings. So I think that's so cool. And um, what I like about that article is that it's really, uh, it's very accessible because impulse response as a concept and like convolution as a concept are not super intuitive to a Mm -hmm. lot of people. Uh, And I mean, you immediately get into some pretty serious math if you're trying to like do the math out. So um, it's really cool to show like, hey, you know, this is not scary stuff. Like it's really cool. It's really easy to do. So maybe, Chris, we can put the link to that article in the description of the show. I think it kind of goes along with her uh, upbringing, though, you know, I mean, if you were doing symphony and orchestra and I mean, it's kind of like your evolution is those impulse responses. I mean, because that's probably one of the first thing you did when you walked in those things with your bass clarinet was listen to your room listen totally. to the the instruments in the room so it's just like natural progression for you um Absolutely. that's that's pretty cool that you did that um i i, I have a question about like who you kind of looked up as your not necessarily you'll have to get poppy here just probably for the listener base but what producers were you like oh man 
I love that dude's snare or I like that chick's like way that she does vocals or who, who did you look up to in mixing and recording and stuff like that in, you know, pop mm-hmm. or modern day music? Yeah. Um, Sylvia Massey is the first one that comes to mind right away. Um, I remember reading about how she had, oh my God. Yeah. She had this like church, right. That she, uh, did this like recording. She's a mad scientist. Yeah. She's, she's crazy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that, that is, that is like really cool and inspiring to me. And I had the pleasure of like meeting her and working with her at Mix with the Masters, um, a couple years ago. So, um, have now befriended her, which is cool. But, um, it, yeah, just hearing about like the adventure recording that she does really sparked this interest in, you know, recording in the studio, but then outside of the studio um, as well. So like in these different environments, um, you know, I've done a lot of recording in churches, whether it's like my own, you know, things I'm doing or um, orchestras, you know, string quartets or, you know, whatever, you know, churches are where these groups perform a lot of the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's what else is kind of cool about that is I, I, I remember very little from music history class, but I remember this. Um, if you look back to the, the earliest form of, of notated music that we have with the Gregorian chant, like it's the first music that we have that's written down. Um, that, w- you know, the fact that I was being performed in a reverberant environment mm-hmm. is, is sort of in, integral to why that music is the way it is. It's long, slow, drawn out. Cause if you talked fast, people couldn't understand you. The, mm-hmm. the intelligibility was a problem. So like, like this, this idea of the room influencing the art and, and making the music the way that it is, um, is, is like the oldest concept in music, you know, and it's really, really interesting. So we, you know, in the live world, we spend a lot of time fighting the room and, and trying to remove the room from the equation and and get the energy off the walls and stuff like that. But, um, you know, especially when you talk about recording, I think you are really making peace with the space and bringing the sound of the space into your recording. So it's just, it's, it's kind of a different way of thinking about things that I think in the live world, we, we kind of don't have our focus there all the time. So it's interesting to think about. I've done this like recording in a silo because I wanted to know what it sounded like. Um, (laughs) so that's on Spotify. Um, but, uh, yeah. And it, it was all these like really interesting, like phase issues that you wouldn't really, or at least I didn't expect to have. Cause like the sound seemed to travel like sort of like, um, you know, like the barrel of a gun, how it's like got a spiral aspect to it. That's like how the sound waves travel up and out of the top of the silo. So I had this mic on this really tall stand and it sounded cool, but it was like in and out of phase with everything below it. So I was like, oh, this is really weird, like kind of issue. So I ended up not using the tall mic, but it was it was a really interesting experiment. (laughs) So I'm curious what um, what initially drew you to more of the recording side versus say the live, the live side of things? Well, I started kind of learning, uh, I, I guess like cutting my teeth in live sound really. Like I, there's a lot of live sound classes in college. And then, um, you know, in college I had friends who played in bands who were like, Hey, we need someone to come run sound for our Kenny Loggins alive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, JK, I'm not friends with him, but um, not that I wouldn't be, but um, <laughs> look at that, I mean, look at that. Look at that face. Don't you just want to be friends with that? Hold guy? On. Obviously, for, for the record, for the record, show of ha- show of hands. Who has done a Kenny Loggins show? 
Oh, oh really? Oh, Kyle and I. Okay, Kyle. You when, guys when have been to the danger K- zone. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Kyle, when did you when did you do Kenny Loggins? It was uh, I did a casino show with him. He played at a casino in Vegas, and I would just yeah. I was doing monitors. Yeah, we did a so we had we had the two sub the United States Army Band guys on a night. We used to do I used to do a Christmas show with them every year, and the first time I did it was Kenny Loggins. So it was like him like kind of hosting a Christmas I'm special jealous. or whatever. I'm so, jealous of that man. Yeah, That's anyway, wild. Anyway. All Sorry, you have to do is get a job at a casino, and you can do all your favorites. Yeah, but here's here's you you Ken, so we're gonna Kyle Turnside to Kenny Loggins to Kevin Bacon, boom, <laughs> right there, one degree <laughs> between Kevin Bacon and Kyle Turnside. Y'all didn't see that coming, did you? Yeah, because I'm gonna cut loose, foot loose. <laughs> I've 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 mixed susicle, uh, which is also related to Footloose somehow. I don't know. Let's come back to that. Let's come back to that. Uh, we, we very terribly interrupted you. No, sorry, okay. please, uh, <laughs> I brought up Kenny. I, I, you know, I knew that was coming. You, you I, did. Yourself, I did interrupt actually. myself. Yeah. That's yeah, fine. It was good. It was good. <laughs> I have ADHD, so it happens a lot. Um, <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I would, yeah, my friends would just like ask me to help. Yes, obviously. <laughs> As most in the music industry are, I suppose, on some plane or another um but yeah i would just kind of run sound for friends band things like you know the battle of the bands for this local festival or um my friend at the library started a media lab where they would uh teach like graphic design and video editing and a little bit of like audio stuff so i you know kind of cut my teeth there too with like figuring out what kind of gear someone would need for that kind of you know small vocal booth setup and a little PA that they can kind of wheel around and um I was the only one who knew how to use it so I got a lot of experience with using it um and then um from there yeah I just kind of crossed over into recording because like I love being able like the the skills that live sound has brought is like being able to troubleshoot like really quickly and like thinking on your feet and like having a setup that works and you go for it and you know you you have your you have to just make it work you know um so that is like super super invaluable but like i love being able to take my time and think about the um actual like sound that I want from a creative standpoint and, um, you know, what else can I add to this and um, really more of the creation of a song side. So like the music production side. And so just because of that aspect, I was really more drawn into the studio and um, started looking for internships. And that's how I ended up at Audio for the Arts, which is now the studio I own eight years later or nine years later. Something awesome. Like what was your what so, was the first piece of gear you bought? Um, I mean, other than that one microphone, I guess it was like a um I actually have a tattoo of it. It's it's like a Shure V55 or some it's it's something like that. It's like a um it looks like an Elvis style cage microphone except it's pink on the inside. Has an Sweet. on and off switch and everything. <laughs> See, I think I think that's one of the cool things, especially when you're doing studio recording. You always need like that piece, that thing, like, mm-hmm. and and I I did it too, just dabbling. And I wanted to go way back. Like you were talking about recording on the Windows Media Player. I remember I used to take my dad's cassette player and record my stupid little voice all the time. Yeah, and I thought it was the coolest thing. And I started to figure out how I could sing with other songs and like. 
that's where I knew like the creativity with the music thing that, yeah, see, Aww. there's a picture of Chris doing it when he was a kid. He's, is that an eight track bro? Or six? So, so I don't, I posted this not too long ago. I don't know. It's, it's this cassette thing that has some like faders and a microphone. I don't know. I'm, I'm maybe like six, eight years old. It's like some type of like multi-track tape recording yeah. thing that was like maybe a play, play school or something like that. So yeah, That's I had a little Tascam like four track and yeah and, and was it was it the blue one yeah and, and it was like Dude, this big one. and a cassette fit in yeah. it and you had to use high bias tape like that was like a, yeah and it was, it was the hissiest fucking thing ever yeah when, <laughs> when you were talking about the silo that's what we used to do too in band practice we were like man how do we make the kick drum sound like slayer and, and our, like <laughs> we're gonna make the bass super deep and we're sticking pillows and microphones and pillows in front of cabinets to get the sub and like that was like the coolest experimentation process because there was nobody telling you that that was wrong. And I, that's what I had a problem in school was is like, uh, when, when I went to audio school, you only had the choice between broadcast or working in the theater. Mm -hmm. That's pretty much your, your two bits that you had. So I, I did broadcast and studio recording and there were like too many rules and I was like, no, I don't want none of those rules. I don't want none of those. Like, I did way better on my four track at home. Like, now I got to learn how to cut tape. This sucks. So I love, I like the, uh, the, the process there though, Kyle, like we're going to do this to the mic. So, cause we're trying, we're in search of whatever goal, like bigger kick drums. Yeah. Out. And you try this thing and then you listen back and then you're like, oh shit, let's move it. Like that kind of iterative thing, I think is just the best, man. That's just when you gotta wait to see how it came out. And, you and know? every time we'd have to get into somebody's car with the team and listen to it. You know what I mean? Oh Payoff man, it sounds is so great. good. The more times you have to go in and out of the car, then yeah. I mean, I think we it. any anyone who had a four track or any kind of recording device that was like the go to. You had to go jump in a friend's car and like drive around and listen to it, and then go back and make all your adjustments. You know, turn the bass down. <laughs> I, I, that's brilliant. I, I think that's a really cool place to start that we never really talk about because when you said Windows Media Player, I was like that brought back memories. Like I wanted to stand up and get my tape deck out. And like, it, it was like experimentation with no limitations. And, and I think, I think that's really cool when you, when you say, Oh, this is an art form as well, because it is, you know, sometimes the, the rules don't apply. And we've had so many guests on here where it's like, they've thought outside the bat box. I, I'm sure both of you guys remember uh, Dave rat, you know, just try it, just try it. If it doesn't mm -hmm. work, you know, do something different like those are the innovators it's like can't textbook that shit you know like you just the textbook would be like try it kid if it doesn't work do something different it's just a yeah like what's this fear yeah this fear of like well what if it doesn't work like then it's fucking it's fine like like dave rat you know what he said on his episode the background before he was doing auto he was doing missile testing <laughs> and they'd put them in ovens and shake them and drop them and so i think when you do that you're a little more fearless about mic placement you know what i mean like i think that's that context of he's not afraid to have it sound like crap and then try something else the next time i mean that's that's an important thing mm -hmm. You know, don't be, don't be scared of this, I'm gonna especially listen. nowadays. It's not like you're, you're not using up tape. Nope. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm going to listen to the over. silo recording now too, because I'm just super interested in that. And like the impulse response, like it makes perfect sense. Like 
it's like a t- I can see a timeline of your history just by saying that. It's cool. <laughs> of weird environments. Thank you. I weird saw this video. Yeah, I'll send it to you, Audrey. There's this video of a guy inside a nuclear uh, cooling tower. Oh, I saw Popping a balloon. Yeah. And that shit was wild. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. And Sylvia recorded in the nuclear tower, too. I was like, see? yep. She's a maniac. I love it. Weird stuff, man. I saw her doing like uh, something with light bulbs and buckets of water. I don't remember what it was. And I was just like, wow, I would totally kill myself. She was (laughs) running audio through. So like through through the light bulb. And then for the, yeah, with um, this is now a favorite drum recording uh, trick of mine too, is you take like an SM57 or like a cheap mic that, you know, if it goes, it goes, it's fine. But, um, and you put it in a condom or like a rubber glove or something and you put that in a bucket of water in front of the drum kit then you got your like little sub mic if you your sub kick yeah Yeah. if you (laughs) slam it with Uh, compression it's a really cool sound i want to hear i want to hear an iso of that you have to say i can yeah i I, um worked with a band that did um a track called water and there's this like drum solo so i went to the solo water drum mic there and it was really cool Oh man, that's amazing. Well, so I I was going to ask you like so how often are you so you, you sound like the type of person who definitely wants to experiment with mic placement, mic techniques, whatever single chain. Um how often on a daily basis are you trying new things versus just riding out something that's working? Um it depends on the thing that I'm recording. Um if it's like you know, if if I'm doing like a student audition recording, um, you know, maybe I'll, I'll do my standard and then I'll do like, oh, this room mic placement is interesting or like I'll try to mic, mic something, you know, out of their way that's not going to distract them that I might not have really thought, you know, before because the, the stakes for me are, are pretty low, but it has to still sound sure. obviously like great because that is at bare minimum. <laughs> um, um <laughs> You got you to get paid. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. I guess like, I don't know. I, I, I guess I do try to like do something different almost almost every time now that I'm kind of thinking about it because like, why not, you know? Good. I'm curious about, so when you try something different, um, is it just like, do you you do you have an inkling of like, hey, I think I can try to get this or want this, or it's just like, I don't know, see what the fuck happens if I do this. I don't, like what what what? Where where's your where's your headspace when you're trying those new things? Um, sometimes it's just straight up. I wonder what the fuck is gonna happen if I try this. Like, yeah. I normally. Mike, I mean, normally in quotes, Mike, like an acoustic guitar with, you know, maybe a, a cardioid pair in XY, like um, Neumann KM184s or something, um, or a spaced pair out in front. But I was like, you know, I'm going to try an XY with some Omnis and see what happens there, you know, this last last week. And it sounded sounded all right. You know, like it, it's not a, it wasn't a great sounding guitar. So I was like, this is a good chance for me to like a b it and see like okay i know what this should sound like if i was going to use my normal mics and how does this compare and like you know not as much stereo uh imaging as i was used to but it was good to try it out and you know maybe it would have been awesome who knows (laughs) what's the what is there something maybe uh you're most surprised by like you tried something and it was like the most surprising thing that either it worked or the effect that it had um, I did this recording in um 
<laughs> this is another like offsite recording with um, a friend of mine named Sam Ness in the basement of my old apartment building because it was a very large, like almost like if if you almost like a parking garage, like it was a very large but like one story concrete structure um for this basement that we had and it always sounded really cool and the laundry stuff was down there so i'd always like sing on my way to doing the laundry and see what it sounded like and everything and so i recorded um sam who sang and played an acoustic guitar so i had him close mic'd and then a spaced pair uh, of room mics in front of him which was kind of my standard like I always have a pair of omnis when I record a large ensemble for example so I was like all right those are my standard what if I put a microphone way at the very opposite end of the room in bi-directional so it's like we've got room on one side and just wall on the other side and we'll see what that sounds like and um, I hit it with a compressor and it just kind of gave it like this um thickness like in the middle like it added this verb with like a I don't know, like a crazy like pre-delay on it, on his voice, but then this like thickness still in the middle too. Um, and it, it just sounded really interesting. And I, I wasn't sure really what I was going to get. Like, I, you know, I, I thought something might be kind of cool, but I was pleasantly surprised by how it worked out with everything together. All right. I want to get, I want to get a little philosophical here. All right. <laughs> This is another thing that I've been wondering about since since college. This idea of I I tend to be very outcome oriented in my engineering choices, meaning I I have a, you know, I'm working toward a goal. Mm-hmm. And what you're talking about is being process oriented. So you don't necessarily have a place you want to land, but you have some things you want to try. Mm-hmm. Um and so the the example I will use is um the the TV show Lost, the the percussion score for that soundtrack um, has a lot of it is played on airplane parts. They ah, just took an airplane apart and they were hitting it with yeah. sticks and stuff. And so, if you know that what the show's about, that makes a lot of sense. Where I get into trouble with this Damn. is that you can't go into the 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 family room where the family's watching it, right, and say. Hey, that's cool because those are airplane parts. Because that's not that's not obvious right. to an end listener. So, I, I think you know, and I and this can go wrong. I, I once sat through a performance where it seemed like the people were on stage just playing random music for for seven minutes, and they weren't like talking, like communicating with each other at all. It was just like I'm gonna make some noise. And so I said, you know, hey, what was going on with that piece? And they were like, oh, well, we all, we all have the same piece of poetry printed out in front of us, and we've come up. Uh, with our own interpretation of different vowel sounds on our instruments and we go through the poem at our own pace and so now it's it's really cool right it's kind of kind of like jazz i do record avant-garde jazz yes but but i think i think what i'm what i'm interested in talking about is this idea of context because without the context i didn't enjoy myself and i didn't understand it Mm -hmm. and with the context it was really interesting and so you get into this idea about how is this piece being performed is it being delivered in an environment where the audience is going to have context if it's separated from the context and it's you know on on a a mixtape on spotify or whatever i don't know how spotify works can you tell because i just said (laughs) mixtape you know so i i guess it's i guess that that approach for me 
my concern has always been, but what if the person doesn't understand why that's cool, right? So I think the 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 path that I've sort of settled on is, well, maybe this is a way for me to find some inspiration and just come up with some other options that I wouldn't have come up with otherwise. And as long as the end result is something that's cool and sounds cool, let's go for it. But I think if the end result hinges on the audience understanding the process and they don't understand the process, that's where you get into trouble. That's mm-hmm. just something I've been thinking about. So I guess I'm interested in your thoughts on that, given how you tend to work. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I agree. Like the audience, like they have to at least like connect with the thing in um, hopefully the way I intend or the artist intends or, you know. Um, but I mean, for me, too, I really like to see how doing these kind of experiments can really like influence the artist to think in a different creative like mindset. And then that I think is really where some just awesome recordings that people do connect with can come out of it too. Like, um, you know, even if someone didn't know that we recorded this in the silo, you still can connect with this what the person is singing because she's singing this it's called um well she we did two in the silo there's one called little darling um which was a duet with her husband and then um one called hospital which is she's singing about being taken away and like drugs and they're going to take me to the hospital and it's like this really lonesome song so for the environment it's it was so perfect to to do that and um you know i i think then that that does come across in the audience, like even if I don't use the out of phase mics or whatever. Um, But, you know, at least we tried it and it's an experience for the artist. And then we got, even if I only do the close mics, like the stuff that I know is going to work, then we at least still have that really good like performance from that person. And that is worth it. Yeah, that's great. I think about uh, the movie, The Dark Knight, Hans Zimmer was talking about some of his composing for that and this he's like the joker needs to have this sound and and so he was like i don't know like what it is but i know how i want people to feel Mm -hmm. and so he's like he's like i worked on that he's like the edges of paper and razor blades and metal metal wires and so he he kind of went for he started backwards like i know the mood i want to give to somebody and he like picked physical objects that made him feel that way and he started just you know kind of banging them together and doing all this stuff and i guess it's on the DVD so people can check me on this, but I guess he made like a 60 minute recording of just him doing random sounds with all these objects and sent it to Christopher Nolan and Christopher Nolan listened to it on, on a flight. And he was like, the Joker sounds somewhere in there. I don't know where it is, but it's you know, in somewhere in there. And he's like, that was the most unpleasant flight I've ever had. Just listening to this terrible, oh, no. you know? So, so I, I think, I think I like your answer a lot about, I'm going to do this in a way that doesn't require the audience to have this context to appreciate it, but I'm going to help it guide our creative process and get us to come up with cool stuff because it's helping us kind of kind of focus or direct our creative energy. I think that's a great perspective on that. Oh, Chris, you look you. like you have some comments. Well, so I think this ties into as well. We talked about this a little bit pre-show. Of, so you've done a little bit of Foley work or sound design work, and I am um, – very intrigued by Foley work because I feel like your headspace has to be um, uh, or your your perception has to be heightened in that you have to think about the everyday sounds that people as a whole don't think of um, that are auditory clues into life 
right? And you are the you're responsible for creating that space. So I think it kind of plays into that as well. Can you maybe talk a little about some of the you've done a little bit of foley mm-hmm. work or whatever, right? So uh, can you talk about some of that space as well and how that kind of molds into it? Yeah, I mean, um, yeah, I do like to. Uh, try to bring some Foley into my music making as well, not only for like pictures. So I'll, um, you know, we did uh, with Sam a a song about, uh, man, I can't remember the title of it now. Oh, I'm the worst. But it starts off where he's talking about how he's walking down the street. So to me, like, I'm like, okay, well, now obviously we have to go and record out on the street and include that in there. (laughs) Like, you know, it's um, Mm -hmm. all of these things are just different um, aspects to like tell a story. And so, um, and I also kind of look at Foley as like a way to, to, to fill a space too, like, especially with, um, with when you are working with film too, like, you know, with dialogue and, you know, maybe a little bit of reverb on that, the scene can feel very empty still. And like, okay, now what do we have to add? Okay, now let's put in the footsteps. This still sounds really strange and empty. What's wrong? Okay, now we need all of these layers of of people's actually physical movement. Okay, now we're getting there, but it's still, oh, we need room tone in here. That's what we're missing. Okay, now this is like suddenly glued together and, and all of these different aspects and different layers can really, um, you know, make this thing. So if you have this, uh, sense of like the textures that you need, um, whether that is for Foley or for music making, I think that can, you know, guide your decisions too. Cause I've, I've, you know, recorded an acoustic guitar and like wished it had more sparkle. So we'll double a ukulele and just like, you know, high pass it and, you know, get rid of all of the actual fundamentals of the uke, but we still have that like bright sparkle that we can like put in there too. You know, it's all of adding layers that can kind of like get you to that texture that you want. See, I think that's, what's like intriguing to me about. So the recording side is that like the, the listening to the same chorus for like 30 hours does not intrigue me. (laughs) Um, um, Uh, but uh but the the art that you like everything you just talked about is art right it's not science it's art right and so the to be able to i mean you're painting totally let's face it you're painting you know with art with, with sound but you're painting and like that is i love how um yeah like so for, like my buddy's band did uh just like an acoustic song or whatever and they live on a farm and so like um they went and post and like recorded uh the sound of like this like big wind vane o- on the farm and like the creaking and the birds and all this stuff and kind of added in afterwards and it's like you're the the average listener is instantly transported to this space without even realizing that you put them yes there. like it's they, they don't put two and two together that this you know, these A weren't recorded in the same space, right? But you were able to put them on the front porch in some, you know, some uh, farmhouse or whatever in Middle America or whatever, right? Yet, mind you, like this acoustic guitar was recorded like an ISO you know, or not, like an ISO booth or something like that, and all this space. But you created this um, memory and connection. I don't know. I, I find that fascinating. Thanks. Cool. Yeah, I I, I think I, that's I like kind that, of what um, it's all about: connection and work. memories. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Go uh, by that classic band Cypress Hill, the the hits from the bong, how they recorded the bong water. I mean, it was just like I was I was right there the whole time. There you go. I was right yes. there, bro. 
And I was like, hits from the bung. Yes. I'm thinking about, Chris, I think it may have been the first guess that you and I. It was. It was. Maitland, right? Uh, Todd Maitland came on the show. He's a absolutely prolific uh, production sound mixer. And he's done just just a monster roster of gigantic films. Um, And he was talking about. Speaking of which, he did the Joker. He, he did, did he Joker. did he did Joker. Uh he did He talked about he talked about riding subway cars. If you haven't listened to it, go back to episode sixteen. Um that's because it was the first episode I was on, but because How did it, you it know that? Episode. Did you just cheat and look it up? Or do you know do no, you know no, a whole, first episode I, I he's know. on? It's special. He's got like a Who tattoo of it. Uh, but no, no. So he talked about riding subway cars at like midnight with no one on there, hanging mics out the window and recording what the subway cars are like, or hanging out a taxi uh, and, and recording sounds. Oh, yeah. And it's like, like the, again, I, the the most intriguing thing is like uh, putting your headspace where the average human doesn't realize all of these things that actually make us think of all all of it. I don't know that that. Or, well, I, I'll take it a step further. All the extra work you have to do just to make it be perceived as natural normal yeah. right yeah absolutely yep, 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 yep. and like i use i use a lot of reverb in my mix and it's not enough for you to go listen to that reverb but it's just because we mic things so closely in live sound that it doesn't sound natural and you have to put the space back in it a little bit so you don't hear it as an effect necessarily but that's just extra work we have to do to make it be perceived as as you know as what we would expect so yeah i was thinking a lot about that when you were talking um and i was also thinking about you know how we can sort of extend that and and sort of play with the audience perception a little bit when they don't really understand that they're being manipulated. Like, you know, he was saying, yeah, I might have really clean dialogue from a mic that an actor's wearing on their body, but if it's a wide shot in the camera, that's going to not sound right. So I want to use, you know, I want to use a distant mic to it. So you can really kind of, and when that's done improperly, and this is kind of where this plays into my work as a system engineer a little bit. You know, we have our brains are really good at, at at audiological cues, and we can hear a sound, and we know how far away that that sounds to us. And so we can remove those cues and circumvent those cues by some of the things we do in a PA tuning. And you can be two hundred feet from a PA, and you can make it sound like it's right in front of your face, but maybe you shouldn't. Right. Right. So you can you can really give somebody some strange experiences if you don't understand how the brain perceive sound and dealing with those expectations it's a very interesting topic and it's something that is inherently subjective uh side note episode 18 episode 16 was the first episode that i was on 18 was Tom oh, okay Maitland, but anyway, all yeah. right um, fair enough all right so here's the deal all right we're coming to madison wisconsin i've been there by the way uh and we're going to the wisconsin state fair Okay. Because that's what you All that's right. what you do when you go when you go to Wisconsin. Uh, which cheese curds, or sorry, which uh, where where are we going to eat at the Wisconsin State Fair? Uh-huh. Oh my gosh! Okay, so this is where I'm going to sound like the worst person in Wisconsin because oh, I have oh, not you, been you to the her. fair in forever. <laughs> Okay, more general. Oh, general question. No, it's the worst. Take it. I was. We're gonna. We say, was, let's all go out for dinner. Where are you gonna take us? I was. I was trying to relate. It didn't. I, no, hard. that's okay. That's all right. <laughs> so it's what's, a really what's, cool. It's a really cool fair, by the way. It's you, like you it's keep bringing up cheese curds. I'm starting to think. I that can tell you, you where my favorite place to go for cheese curds yes. is, and that okay, is uh, the old fashioned right on the Capitol Square. 
And yes, you should get old fashioned uh, beverages while you're there too. So these are like whiskey sours and stuff. Mm. But um, yes, their cheese curds are freaking awesome. Their burgers are freaking awesome, but their cheese curds that's you have to get them I, I, I learned something from my wisconsin friends it is i bought a bag of cheese curds and i was like oh man they don't squeak like, <laughs> that's like one of the reasons to have them and they're like bro that's because you got them refrigerated you yeah. can't have the refrigerated they're one. warm the fresh ones they don't refrigerate it so i kept going into the gas stations and i'd be feeling all the bags of cheese curds i was like come on man they got to squeak Gotta but, get me the yeah. squeaky ones. You gotta yeah, have squeaky yeah. cheese. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't know about the squeaky side of the so cheese. You've really come full yeah. circle because I think we started off talking about cheese curd. Well, oh, I just helped right. jump back uh, in, and I was really smart. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. Did you notice it when when did I? Did you notice I put down the Kenny Loggins for that? I wanted to give that my full attention. So I got out one of my favorite <laughs> albums that uses great foley technique. It's uh, the Bob and Doug McKenzie album. Uh, Great White North album. <laughs> I'm just kidding. God. <laughs> One of these days I'll be serious and I'll say something smart and everyone will be like, dang. I'll we'll just laugh. I'm, I'm going to talk to Kyle about this audio question I have. I don't know, man. I, I know that some people from the mentorship program are hitting you up, though. And everyone's like, man, I talked to Kyle. He was so cool. He told me some great shit. So that's, you know, I dig that, man. I, I, I just it. told crappy stories. So I, I do have a crappy story about um, Madison, Wisconsin. Um, all right, hit it. So I was on tour, and it's with the band that I'd never tell anyone I was on tour with. Uh, Insling Clown Posse played there oh. with uh, Bone Thugs and Harmony, uh, Tech Nine, and Cottonmouth Kings. And at, I don't know why I don't talk about this, but now you are. But the, yeah, so anyway. we, I went with Bone Thugs that night to the strip club in Madison. Ah, Silk. Uh, <laughs> uh, red, red door, red something. Oh. I don't think they're around anymore, surprisingly. Yeah, I'm, I'm old. Kyle's I'm old. old. <laughs> they actually had a pay phone out front. That's how nice. <laughs> But it, it's so funny because I, I didn't know this about touring, that most rap acts like totally abuse their bus drivers. So they're like, oh, we're going to get to the, you know, they, they're like, hey, take us to the venue at this time. You're going to take us, you're going to drive us to the strip club. You're going to drive us to this other thing. And then we're going to start driving to the next show. They broke the door of the bus in the in the strip club drove, and, and it was awful. Like all these people were coming on the bus. I was like, "What am I doing?" <laughs> but, uh, I got this. I got this super long hang with. That sounds weird. Super, super good hang with the dude from Bone Thugs and Harmony that night, and I got to ask him every question that I ever wanted to about East Eternal 1999, which was one of my favorite albums ever back then and i was like holy cow like how cool was it i'm sitting in a strip club parking lot with a broken door and bus driver freaking out and i'm just sitting there <laughs> chatting with bone thugs like yeah. i was like this is not really happening right now so i'll i'll always remember madison wisconsin and bone thugs and harmony all in like one little good thing. Aww, <laughs> i'm glad it's story. a warm memory that's a great story <laughs> that's, a, that's a hell of a story it is. Uh, all right chris chris it's i think it's time man it's time. Yeah, although we have more to, we, more I wanted to get to, but it's all good. Audrey, we really appreciate you. Yay. But the most important question, um, if you could define your legacy or how you would want to be known, how would you define that? Oh, by, yeah, by the person who's going to take you to somewhere weird and record you there. 
like that. <laughs> whether we're going next to a lake or Are you a spy? <laughs> legally i can't answer that question but okay. um i didn't yeah. I don't know anything i don't want to know them. tell me i yeah I, I you know i think that's that's what it's about you know doing what you love and that i want to be known for that so there we go it's <laughs> awesome thank you so, so much good. for joining us it's been an absolute blast and a real treat because we got to talk about some stuff we haven't talked about before yeah. um I think we got to get you back on the show, though, because uh, this, like Chris said, there's a lot of stuff we want to talk about still that, yeah. that you worked on. So we'll have to set up a part two, Chris. Yeah. So make sure if, you know, check the links in the description. We'll, we'll link out to a bunch of Audrey's, Audrey's uh, articles. Wait, take another uh, pass uh, at her last name before we go. Come on. Wow. After all of this. Yes. Hold on. <laughs> get it right. We're old friends now. Look at yeah. Wasn't that hard? Kyle nailed Kyle it. Kyle nailed it. Good. Yeah. We had far less rehearsal. Like, we go way back now. Yeah. <laughs>